Welcome back to the Pod of Greed. I'm your host, Alec. Yeah, and Paul. So, uh, yeah, today we've got lots of new, fun card game news. Two Yu-Gi-Oh! ban lists to talk about. And some controversy in other card games. Yeah, um, so we've got a lot. It's going to be fun. But before we get into it, I wanted to let you guys know that the Pod of Greed is now officially on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else. We're going to have the RSS feed in the description of this video. So even if you use like a different sort of service for your podcast, you can just input the RSS feed in there and you'll get all the episodes and it should actually show up in search on things like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So I know you guys have been asking for that. So now you can listen to it more easily during your workouts or your commutes or whatever else. Now, typically when I don't know something, I just... uh I pretend like I understood, but I'm just going to ask. I don't know what an RSS is. What is that? It's like how podcasts get shared to different platforms. Because the RSS feed has, like, the audio. And... Okay, anyway, whatever. yeah, so I, didn't get it. Um, I jumped through some hoops. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, we got a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! news to talk about. That's right. What do you want to start with? So there are two different ban lists. I think the bigger one in the room, I suppose, is the TCG ban list. The Master Duel also got one, and so we'll get to that right after. TCG ban list is out. Uh, lots of changes. Mm-hmm. But maybe even before the list itself, I mean, there was just, we know there was a lot of controversy about, like, is Konami going to reveal it? When are they going to reveal it? Why are they taking so long? They need to say something. Well, they did. Um, funny enough, actually, in the middle of YCS Philadelphia yeah. last weekend, like mid-round. Uh, uh, for us, it was like 11, like 11 a.m. or 11 or 12 there. or something. It was funny, I heard that, like, they literally dropped it in the middle of the round, and there was, like, an uproar in the room, like, in the middle of rounds. (laughs) So, that was a thing. I was also told that, I guess, people weren't allowed to, like, make their bandless reaction videos at the venue. Because a lot of YouTubers were, like, leaving the venue and going back to their hotel or whatever to... I mean, typically, at Konami-sanctioned events, they don't want to see a camera, unless you get one of those little press pass deals. Yeah, well, they have the new media center at the... Oh, oh yes. they have like a media section and it's kind of got a little Konami backdrop wall thing. And anyway, so there's a new band list. Um, I think there are like 25 changes to this list, if I'm correct, or like maybe 20, 25, 26. Lots of changes usually a sign of a good list, but it feels like every time we get a list, everyone says they're horrible. Yeah. So this one is uh, it's a big one. There's a lot of talk about it. I now that it's had a few days to like kind of let the dust settle. I think people's knee-jerk reactions are still maybe around, but, like, there's been a little bit more thought and discussion, so I was trying to read just what other people had to say about this. So what meta deck are you building now? Oh, I don't know, man. Don't ask me. That, that's probably the first thing is, you know, we are not uh, probably the best people to... Tr- don't trust anything we say about this band list. I haven't been playing. Or and, trust everything we say. Or that. Yeah, I haven't been playing in regionals and, like, stuff. So, I mean, you know, I'm not hey, you've super got well invite. informed years ago. Uh, so, here's the banned cards. They banned Cyberstein, Super Heavy Samurai Scarecrow, Number 89, Diabolosis, the Mind Hacker, a Pointer of the Red Lotus, and Branded Explosion. All right. So, I do have a bone to pick with this. All right. Let's I hear have, it. I have a personal problem. Um, how y'all going to ban Diabolosis? When you literally designed Kashtira around it. Yeah. Uh, he's a Kashtira fan, guys. That's why he's bitter. But so uh, It's just that everything about that card and the archetype screams that these were made to complement one another. Well, 
Diablosis wasn't. Diablosis was like years ago. Right. But, but, but Castera was designed. Clearly, like, with, yeah. I, Konami does that, though. Like, they do that thing where there's like, they kind of know that there's a certain card that will work really well. Convenient. Like, it can't be a coincidence that the Castera are like level seven and it's an Xyz archetype already. It's just, I don't know. With the same design language. Oh, I'm also red and like. I, yeah. I mean,. So that said, though, I know that Nyblosis was the one that a lot of people wanted gone from Kashtera. It allows for, you know, the kind of zone lock thing. With and Shangri-Ra. I think that's exactly what they wanted you to think. But, um, yeah, so it's it's gone. I know a lot of people are cheering about that, so that's cool. Cyberstein is one that I don't like that card. I have no clue why Cyberstein was brought back in the first place. Yeah, it's one of those cards that, like... It feels like it's only ever really going to stir up trouble. Like, the pay 5,000, summon any fusion monster. I know people usually use it to, like, summon Nechiria Exterio. I've also seen other, like, weird, quirky, gimmicky things. It's, like, a level 2 machine, dark. Like, so it's super compatible with stuff. I've just never understood why they actually ever took it off the list. It just, it feels like it exists to wait until it gets explo- exploited. Like, that's its whole purpose. Yeah. So, um, glad to see that gone. Um, Super Heavy Samurai Scarecrow. So this was a one that a lot of people were not... Ooh, it caught everybody off Yeah, it kind of caught people off guard. So the Super Heavy Samurai deck, um, you know, technically been around for many years. Oh, but like, many. Like basically many almost years. 10 now. The very beginning of Arc 5, what was that? Duelist Alliance? Yeah, like 2014, yeah. something like that. Oof. But um, so this is their Link monster that came out like a year or so ago, a couple years back. And now that they recently got support in Cyberstorm Access, people are taken off guard because... Um, it feels like it was like a new, you know, tier one contender deck, right? Mm-hmm. And so for Konami to hit it mere weeks after it released kind of feels like a bit of a slap in the face to people who maybe invested in the deck and were expecting to be pl- able to play it over the summer. And I got to admit, I don't really know why they maybe chose to hit it this soon. That feels a little uncharacteristic for them, but... So I do have a theory on that. The, um... Super Heavy is one of those, it's an anime archetype, so it's, like other anime archetypes, it has an, an absolutely dumb amount of support. Yeah. Like, there are just too many Super Heavy cards. And when the new Super Heavies were designed, they couldn't take into context every single interaction that could happen within the Super Heavy archetype. And then, what could we mix with mix with all of that to make the, the boards that we ended up making. Yeah. And so... They landed on Scarecrow? They, I think they landed on Scarecrow as something that's... It was not meant to work with this stuff. Like, at least when it was designed. Yeah, so it feels like it's maybe exploitable. It, so what it... Something that I've noticed is it kind of starts that whole, like... It's part of that big, like, Link 1 conversation, which is something I kind of wanted to make a video on, actually, is, like, Link 1 monsters... Don't tell them. We'll, make, we'll monetize it later. <laughs> yeah. Link 1 monsters and just the, whether or not they're like okay mm-hmm. because link one monsters are so exploitable and scarecrow is a link one monster and like it was always used with the super heavy soul piercer and like soul piercer is another yep. really old one and it doesn't have it's a hard ancient. one's return so when it goes to the grave it can like you know search or whatever and so basically like you can like summon it and you can make like scarecrow and then get a search and then scarecrow can summon it back and then you can link again and get like it's kind of one of those things where but see, then that interaction existed before this new stuff came out. 
But I guess this new stuff coming out just throws it over the edge. And Konami didn't want to hit the now new cards. it's a cards. huge resource thing. And Konami didn't want, I guess, the actual new cards in Cyberstorm Access to be hit. Isn't it kind so of funny? they had to hit the old stuff. <laughs> like, you hit an interaction like that, but then you bring Quick Fix back up? Yeah, we'll get to that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. The... Yes, yeah, so Scarecrow's gone. I know people aren't too pleased with it. Um, but it does still seem like the super heavy deck is still like totally functioning. Like it's still quite good. It's just not. I mean, just re- got to reroute your combos. I guess broken maybe is what I've heard. Um, next they hit Branded Explosion. I know that's one that people were. Uh, that's the one that let people summon the uh, gimmick puppets to other people's boards. Yeah, okay. namely like in the branded kind of Despia type hybrid Albaz decks. Really obnoxious card. Definitely needed to go. Um, I'm honestly surprised that they didn't. Also hit maybe just the gimmick puppet itself, but there are other cards that kind of can function similarly. Like right. Ido, the Supreme Magical Forest, I know that was sometimes used. Even Ra's Disciple for a while in Despio was like used. Well, I am surprised that Konami hit something like that so soon. I would have thought they let us like they let us sit with just that deal for with a it. while. Yeah, that's kind of the theme of this whole ban list. It's like a lot of things got hit and some were things that people thought we'd have to live with longer. Now, I know um, that the branded deck has a new fusion. I forget. It's like the fire flaming fusion thing that can mm-hmm. do a similar effect to branded explosion, but it is not as efficient. It's uh, so. Albion the Iridescent Dragon? Something like that. I don't know the name. So, yeah, this is gone. I think this is probably the most he ain't welcome. A branded player, yeah. The most welcome ban. I, so, I used to play like Despia and stuff, but I've totally lost track of what the modern branded <laughs> deck looks like. There's just so much going on with it. Um, and then a pointer of the Red Lotus, which was already limited to one and is now just straight up banned. Um, at the surface, I think this is kind of a weird pick, but I actually think it makes a lot of sense because from what I've heard people say, it's already a pretty obnoxious card because it like, gives you knowledge of your opponent's hand, gets rid yep. of a card. But thanks to the introduction of things like Triple Tactics Thrust, it is now very easy to get your copy of a pointer of the Red Lotus straight from your deck. Uh, and so now like, you can give judges a ruling nightmare every round. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I think most people know how a pointer works now, but I do remember once upon a time there was like a little bit of confusion about what they meant by like end of the next end phase or whatever. I don't know. But it's banned now, so no more of that. Goodbye. So those are the banned cards. Five different banned cards. That's that's a hefty one. Um. So. Any other thoughts on, on these banned cards before we get into I'm glad limited? that no other cash tier cards ended up banned, like just outright. Yeah, so um, speaking of that, here's the stuff that's limited. The biggest one being cash tier, Arise Heart. So that's the, the big like 3K, 3K Xyz who's, you know, responsible for kind of the control deck right. version of cash I just want to say we're supposed to be hitting other people's extra decks. Konami, why are you hitting ours? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Arise Hearts, it's a rude dude. I mean, he's he's, he's he's a mean monster. He's big. He's macrocosmos. He banishes like once per chain or whatever. Like it's very, he can he. It's just a really tough monster to deal with. I think by putting it at one, it means that if you can out your opponent's Arise Heart, you're generally in the clear. There are a couple of ways to summon it back and stuff, but like, but now now yeah. they'll have to use like extra resources extra resources to do it. Something that I was thinking about, too, is that um, these changes, in addition to one other Kashtera change, Unicorn at 2, um, mean that Kashtera is a little bit more fragile, and even if it's still like one of the best decks to play, it means that a Kashtera mirror map seems pretty scary. 
Hor- if, horrific. Yeah, because if someone was to use, say, Castier or Unicorn and, like, banish your one copy of Arise Heart, like, in a mirror match, mm-hmm. and it gets banished face down, you'll never really be able to recover it. And, like, now the deck really crumbles apart, so. Whoever goes first probably just wins. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think that that's a good way to hit Castier. I still think it's pretty strong, but, um. Do you think if if a deck is strong, right? Yeah. If but if the mirror match is a coin flip, is it worth it? I mean, I guess you could argue it probably was a coin flip even before now, but just in general, I think people prefer those coin like if a deck is strong enough, people will learn the mirror match seems to be my experience of it. Mm-hmm. Like they'll they'll learn the nuances of it. I know that a lot of people like to just say like, "Oh, sudden such the coin flip format." But at least in my experience, Yu-Gi-Oh can look like a coin flip at the local level and maybe even like sometimes at the regional level. But it can't be a coincidence that like a lot of the same names of top players seem to end up like winning and topping these events. If it was truly a coin flip, I don't think they'd be able to. So what you're saying is the results. opposite then. Mm-hmm. That a lot of the same names are not at the topping list. So there's a reason why you you're not a world champion. Oh, okay, no. Mm. Yeah, so that's, I don't know, that's my take on it. I think um, Yu-Gi-Oh! is not as RNG and, like, coin flip as people want to say it is. Pirelli, Delicious Memory, this is another controversial one. I don't even know what it does. It hasn't yeah. been around that long. It hasn't. So Pirelli came out in Amazing Defenders earlier this year, and um, a lot of their spells, you know, let them summon a Pirelli monster from the deck. This one adds a lot of consistency to the deck, and by hitting it, the deck is a slisk. I mean, that's the, the long and short of it. I have not played a lot of Pirelli, so I don't know the nuances. The big surprising thing is that, like Super Heavy Samurai, it feels like this deck was pretty new on the scene mm-hmm. and not even, like, dominant yet, and Konami has already hit it. And so, again, for people who'd invested in it, just because the price of some of the cards had gotten a little up there, it feels like a bit of a slap in the face. So... it it's It is interesting, this idea of... Hitting decks so early into a format. Mm-hmm. Do you think they really just want to hit one deck and they decided, well, if we're going to hit this one deck, maybe we should hit all the like top decks just a little bit. Yeah, it seems like maybe their goal was just to kind of just decrease the power level of the format all around. You know, put Kashtir a little lower, still viable, but like lower. Super Heavy Samurai still viable, but like a little bit lower, a little more fragile. Pirelli, same thing, and even as we'll get to the kind of like Nichuria runic deck, it's like slightly lower power from this too, and I think that was maybe their goal is like, even if it's not so much about what, because something I thought about is like, people are saying, like, okay, Pirelli got hit and it's new, and Super Heavy got hit and it's new, but also, Kashtira's not even that old either. Like, Kashtira, the first ones came out in Darkwing Blast, but the Kashtira deck didn't start to really be a thing until like, Photon Hypernova, which was just in February. Yeah. Like, it's not, it hasn't been so long. Yeah, Kashtira weren't, that, it wasn't really itself until it got Shangri-Ra and stuff. I mean. Yeah, so. Not Shangri-Ra, uh, Ryzeart. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, I, I think it's, um, maybe that's just Konami's new approach. Like, just, it doesn't matter how old the deck is. It's just, we're going to keep everything kind of at a, Maybe I mean, more modest power level. If I'm being like the low tier low tier hero that I am, uh, that makes all like tier two decks a little bit better. Suppose so. Like, you yeah. know, if the if the if the best decks perform just a little bit worse and they're a little bit they're not as consistent as they may have been designed to be, your kind of rogue deck has 
more good matches in an eight round tournament. Or if not good, just more winnable. More, yeah, more winnable be a better matches. Way to... Yeah, that's probably better. So uh, that was hit. There's also a couple of weird cards that got hit, or at least Ooh, they the seem ones? a little weird. So uh, Cyframe Gear Gamma, I think, took a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, this is limited to one now. To hit. Which, by limiting it to one, I think it's a little strange. I'm surprised they didn't just ban it, but I guess they wanted to keep Cyframe that, as a playable deck for the like five people who use it. <laughs> Because the thing is, you're not going to run Gamma and Driver now at like one. You know? No, that's no, very inconsistent. No. So my understanding of this, from what I've read, because I didn't entirely understand the hit at first, but now I think I have a better understanding of it. People can correct me if I'm wrong. Is that Cyframe Gear Gamma was overly powerful for stopping other hand traps when you were using things like Pot of Prosperity and Triple Tactics and those sorts of cards? Because if say like you use Pot of Prosperity or Terraforming, let's say, or something like that, mm-hmm. and I Ash it, then you can, like, Gamma it. And so it kind of functioned as a shield against hand traps for combo decks. And Konami mm-hmm. has, with this hit, and other past hits, like Called by the Grave to one, and, um, like, the Magical Midbreaker Field spell, like, a while back. Ooh. I know it's an older one. They seem like they're pretty intent on making sure that, like, combo decks don't have super easy ways to counter the hand traps that are supposed to counter them. Right. So um, so that's a hit. I guess in, they're trying to maintain this rock, paper, scissors system that we supposedly have. Yeah, like everything's supposed to kind of have some counterplay. If you're playing a control deck, there's plenty of spell and trap removal. If you're playing a combo deck, there's plenty of, you know, like hand traps to stop you and you don't have that many ways to stop them. So... Uh, you know, yeah, that's uh, fair. No, I get cool. it. I, I get it. Um, a couple other ones. So, Nachuria Sacred Tree also got limited. All right, you gotta explain that one to me. Yeah, so the Nachuria Runic deck was a pretty popular, like, upper tier thing. Oh, wait, when we say Sacred Tree, we, we're not talking about Hermit Tree, we're talking about the actual card. No, yeah, the trap card. Okay, just check. Yeah, so it like has, like, some cool effects, but the main thing is that when it goes to grave, like, when it's just sent to grave, you get to search a Nachuria monster. Right. And so, obviously, that is something that's it's pretty accessible, you know, right? Like, you could use Foolish Burial Goods or any number of other things, like, send it to the grave, and lets you get searches. So this just kind of cuts the consistency of that deck. Yeah. Um, they were typically, like, used with Runic, so it was, like, Nachiria Runic, and they also went ahead and hit Fountain to two, which I'll get to, but that was, like, a not-as-impactful hit. I haven't liked Runic one bit, so it's fine. I have yeah. no problem with that. I hate Runics just from playing Master Duel. Like, so I played against Larry's Runic deck once, and I never want to see it again. So that's a hit. Um, some things, and then one other thing that they hit was Mathmex Circular. So I was unaware that Mathmex were, I guess, the terror that they apparently are. Circular is the white one, right? Yeah, so Circular... That's the good one. It's, you can send one Mathmex monster um, from your deck to the grave to special summon this thing from a hand. Great. Um, and then also, if a Mathmex monster is normally special summoned to your field while you control this monster, you can add a Mathmex Speller Trap to your, from deck to hand. So this is like this is like a one card like functioning engine basically. Yeah, it starts everything. By Sets itself. up your grave, like can get searches. So they put it to one. Um, obviously, it's still searchable. You can still use Sign at Mining. There's still other ways to get to it. But I think that this hit is just sort of meant to maybe not make it the just extreme powerhouse like you know army of one type of card. Yeah, right. That's... Hmm. I don't know a lot about Mathmex. I know that people also don't like them very much in Master Duel, but I'm sure that the TCG version is perhaps even... Mathmex always kind of find their way into conversations. That's what I haven't liked about them since introduction. 
they've always just they they've either existed on the fringe of the metagame or they're being used within some other deck. Because I I remember talking. Yeah, all cybers links shenanigans stuff. Cybers links. Someone was running them with. I saw them with super heavies. I saw them as their own thing. I've seen them too many times in Master Duel. Yeah, it's kind of one of those decks where I don't think it's. It didn't see. It seems innocuous enough, but like. They have some nuts monsters in that deck. But yeah, like some of their stuff they can do is just it's it can that deck can really go. Yeah. Like for sure. It. And then it has access to a lot of the code talkers. It's yeah. So anyways, that's a one. I don't think that like, kills the Mathematic deck. That's at least the sentiment I've heard. But there are some cool cards that came back to one. Blaster Dragon Ruler of Infernos. That's, so wait, how many dragon rulers do we have now? We have eight so we have if, two. Litho. Okay. Well so no, look, those are gems that you're thinking of the true kings. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I'm getting my um, true kings and my your, elemental things confused. Your elemental deities mixed up. And they're not my gods. Yeah. So blasters back. Um, it's the dragon ruler. I think everybody agreed was the most like bring backable. I guess bring that's a, backable because Tempest has already been around and hasn't really done anything. Nothing. Blaster doesn't do that much either. It can pop a card. I think that this is probably maybe like a bid for selling that upcoming fire legendary duelist set Makes that's sense. coming out. Yep. In a few uh, months. Duelist of Explosions? Yeah, something like that. Um, so maybe that's cool. And then also Dinglong is back. This one's a little bit more, like, curious because it's actually a pretty Man. abusable card for dinosaurs especially, but, like, also other decks. I don't want, I don't want, to, I don't, I don't want to see Dinglong hit a board I'm playing at anytime soon. Yeah, I fear most of, like, the buff assist to Sword Soul because, like, Sword Soul's already a really solid deck. And it's never, you know, as we've mentioned before, it hasn't really, like, lost a lot of cards in a ban list before. But this adds a lot to it because it's a worm and it works with all the tinnies and it gives them an extra negation. And it also, the nature of the negation that Dinglong is, brings, Nine Pillars of the Yang Zing, lets you, like, counter things like Dark Ruler No More, which you normally would not be able to counter. So, um, it's, you know. Yeah, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy for the Sword Soul players. Yeah, because you have to be kind of dedicated to be to keep playing that deck when Konami disrespected you by not hitting any of your cards and letting the meta game just sweep creep you, you right by. out. There's just something disrespectful about that. I was yeah. like, please ban my cards so I feel like I did something. <laughs> so those are the limited cards. Uh, I don't think I left anything out. Yeah, um, lots of limited stuff, semi-limited stuff. Um, Herald of Orange Light went from one to two. So that was typically kind of being used, I guess, with the Ashizu tier deck and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that that deck is kind of out of the game, I think that they felt it was safe to move Herald of Orange Light back to two. Sure, why not? Yeah, I don't have any strong opinions on that. Kashtira Unicorn, that's the last of the Kashtira hits. It doesn't seem too impactful for it just to go to two, but... I mean, it's a consistency hit. I mean... I've... He's the guy who could hit their extra deck, and also he could search spells. Yeah. So quite strong. It, it's it's good. It's just um it's not that bad. Strange one lightning storm. Don't know what that's about. <sighs> is it just, is it too flexible? I don't know. I mean, I was under the impression that people weren't even really running three. I heard that the common like ratios to run was two lightning storm and a feather duster, or like two lightning storm and a raigeki. I guess if you're siding, siding in three can be pretty useful. So yeah, that's a little strange. Runic Fountain went to two. A lot of people agree this is not really enough because most people only run two copies of Runic Fountain and it's pretty easy to search. So In, people, in a deck that relies on its field spell, I, I just assume that they ran three. 
Yeah, I mean, I think some builds did run three, so those are maybe hurting for this. But I think a lot of people started to run two because you, they realized that you don't want to, like, have two fountains in your hand. Yeah, because Runic, dude, they need every single card in their hand to be live to, like, yeah, get their things kind of going. going. So um, it, that seems like a pretty, like, unimpactful hit. We'll see. Sky Tracker Mobilize Engage um, from one to two. I know a lot of people are celebrating that. So the sentiment I've heard around that, though, is that why are Sky Strikers getting their cards back? But, like, other decks that were popular during that time, like Orcists mm-hmm. and Salamangrit Gazelle and stuff like that, still, and, like, Electromite, those are still, like, banned and stuff. Or, like, you know, Gazelle's at one. But, like... Aren't they printing new Sky Striker stuff? Yeah, and Sky Striker, I think, is, like, Konami's baby. Like, you know, they like Sky Strikers. It, they give them a- sleeves and alternate arts and... They sell products. What can I say? You know, they they move accessories. It's good artwork to slap yeah, on. Yeah, you know, waifu girl and all that stuff. And they had, you know, the OCG uh, manga lore thing. It's about Sky Strikers. So, yeah, and then Sprite Starter also went to two from three. So that's like a slight nerf to sprites. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't even think that sprites were super dominant because they lost uh, Sprite Elf. But I guess they still felt that the engine itself was maybe too accessible. So I've never liked sprites. So hey, if we gotta keep hit, if we gotta keep hitting them, let's keep doing it. Yeah, and just a reminder to everybody, you know, again, take our opinions with a grain of salt. No, no, no. These are ironclad words of law. Yeah, these are professional Yu-Gi-Oh players' opinions on the matter. We are professional. We're on. A, we're, we're on a podcast. Yeah, that must be more legit, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the stuff that went to three. Uh, Blackwing Steam the Cloak. This is one of those like things that got abused with Halka Fibrax. It's just finding its way off. I thought that was crazy, and then you told me that that's not Gofu. Yeah, I don't think Gofu will yeah, ever do okay, that, that, sadly. Okay. That's fine. I think uh, Black Blackwing players deserve to eat, even though we always joke make jokes about them at their expense. Yeah, we, we do laugh at you guys, but you do deserve to eat. <laughs> Genex Ally Birdman, Samsara Lotus, Spiral Quick Fix. That was the one that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Bit strange. That could be a little... Scary. I, I guess that they're just seeing what what can spiral players do without master plan. We're just gonna slowly give you some cards, except master plan. Lairlesk recital starling from two to three. I don't think that's like a huge change, but it helps that dry brigade Lairlesk deck a little. Draco face off. That's one that you were excited about. Yeah, though I can't find two more copies of that card to save my life. Yeah, what's that for? I guess that's you're building the Draco Slayer. Yeah, the Draco Slayer pendulum deck. The um, I love pendulums, especially like performer pals and stuff. But performer pals are really hard to play and complicated with like their combo lines because they can do just about anything you want them to. Draco Slayers are a bit more limited in scope, and the end boards they end on are more consistent. Yeah. So I, I, it's easier for me to play that deck. And then Draco Slayer, Draco Face Off coming to three. That just makes building your boards easier and a little bit more resilient since you can recover when your opponent inevitably interrupts you. And finally, Skytracker Mecha Modules multi-role goes from one all the way to three. Oh, say it five times fast. Go. Oh, no. Mecha Modules multi-role. Mecha Modules multi-role. Mecha you didn't mo- say mo- Skystriker. I can't, okay? <laughs> I can't, okay? Skystriker Mecha Modules multi-role. Ugh, that's just... Okay. It's a three. Uh, so that's another big buff to Skystriker's. And that's the list. Uh, mm. I tried to get through it kind of fast. I mean, it's a lot of changes. It is. And um, I, you know what? 
What do you what, what what letter grade do you give it? You can't give any more context. Give it a letter. Yeah, did I just get a letter? B minus. Wow. B minus? Sure. Wow. What about you? What do you give it? Mr. B minus over here. What'd you give it? This 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 is an A list. So what makes it an A no for you? No plus or minuses, just A. Just an A. What makes it an A for you? For the sheer amount of cards that moved around. Yeah. Are you maybe one of those people you're more interested in just the idea that cards moving makes for an interesting Yeah, I like to see lots of cards moving. It's this list was both impactful in the metagame and also for casuals since it just moved a lot of cards around. Yeah, I think when I view it in that context, it is a pretty good list because while I know like some people hate it and some people love it, some people just think it didn't do enough or hit something too hard too soon. I'm as a Yu-Gi-Oh player, I'm kind of with you. I think that just a new list that does a lot of changes to me makes for a more interesting and different game now. And to me, like if you're a real duelist, so to speak, and that's a bit of a nebulous term, you're gonna change your deck and just kind of keep it keep it pushing, right? Like mm-hmm. like these changes, yeah, maybe your favorite thing got hit or you have to change the thing or whatever, but like Yu-Gi-Oh is gonna go on. You're gonna adapt, and like, I would kind of rather have just a lot of just a lot of little hits, and like, kind of let it just mix things up, freshen the game. All right, time for my hot take. Let's hear it. So actually, I don't like smart, competitive, and efficient lists. I don't like a list that is very impactful on the meta game, but it only moves a few cards. The thing is, the ban list is not just for competitive players. For some reason, we all abide by the Forbidden Limited in this, even though we don't all play competitively. Yeah. And, and with that in mind, that means we're all bound by this thing. So I don't like the small list that even if they do a great job with, like, rebalancing the metagame, that's cute. You doesn't prefer, do a whole lot for me. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I'm with that. Like, I think I kind of, as a person who's been in the competitive scene a lot, but I'm now far more casual, I'd say, I think that just mix-ups are more exciting than just than like very small clinical hits. I like seeing cards so. come off the list. I don't like seeing crazy cards coming off the list. Like I- even th- even for me, like I don't even like I've had this crazy ban list thing for a long time where it's like I remember when they put Snatch Deal off the list and then like immediately ended up back on the list because like people found out okay this this shit's broken and like Cyberstein's kind of another example and like we recently got Change of Heart like. I say, like, let the kind of weird stuff come off. Let it let it show up, terrorize the game. Because we get these ban lists, like, every three months now anyway. So if something is just truly awful, then we'll suffer through it and it'll get banned again. Are you saying that you have inside information that the ban list comes out every three months now? Oh, yeah, that's that, that reminds me. So they're still on the same bullshit of, like, it's going to update in a few months. That's their, you know. A few months. Konami's favorite phrase. So uh, will that mean August, September, never? November, December. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but that's the list. I mean, overall, it's neat. Uh, enjoy it. You guys got what list. you wanted. So now we transition to another ban list. Hey. This one's not as like big of a deal, but Master Duel also got I a ban list. I don't know. It might be a bigger deal since that was an actual tier zero format. True. So uh, in Master Duel, they have changed a few different things. This one's going to be going into effect on June 8th. As your resident master duel grinder, not really, but like sort of, I got. Oh, sick how'd of you diamond. place in the world? In the oh, I didn't world play in the world's thing. 
Although I have thoughts on that. We'll get into it. But um, so here's the new Master Duel list. Cyberstein's also banned here. Which is Good. Kind of funny. It's the one consistent thing between both lists. Cyberstein's nuts. We've already talked about that. Smoke Grenade is also banned. Thank God I do not like that card. Every time I think about playing Infernobles, Smoke Grenade gets hit. Good. It's funny. It actually wasn't even Infernobles that was abusing it. It was that new power tool, Dragon Braver, whatever. What's weird is I hear about that card. I've never seen it used. It shows up just randomly in Master Duel, and it's so annoying because like it gets summoned. Anytime it's special summoned at all, it equips three equip spells to it from your like deck or grave. Okay. And so you'll equip like smoke grenade, some other random thing, and then like this equip spell that while it's equipped to a monster, that monster is unaffected by other spell cards. Oh, that's So it causes the other cards to get destroyed. And then that triggers smoke grenade. And then like people will use like Barone and all these other little things to bring that power tool dragon back again during like your standby phase or something. <laughs> and then, and then, since it got special summon, it does the same thing and it like eats another card out of your hand. It's very rude. Like this card is old and nuts and needs to just like please go away. Yeah, smoke grenade is very old. I was surprised when we did rare hunters and it came up in a pack and I was like, wait, this card is that old? Yeah, smoke grenade is an old, <laughs> old card. Now here's the big controversial one is terraforming is banned in Master Duel going forward. Oh. I know a lot of people are upset because they kind of feel like they're rogue decks that, you know, used a field spell, needed terraforming, are hampered and it, this is a hit that seems like it's intended to further nerf like TR elements, and probably it's like a upcoming nerf for Kashdira that's going to be in Master Duel soon. They have a really powerful field spell. Mm. Any uh, immediate feelings that come to mind? I guess Terraforming was at one in both the TCG and Master Duel. So I'm fairly used to it being at one. Mm-hmm. And my, my whole thought process with te- with terraforming has been that uh, you can't depend on it anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a card that's at one. So I don't think that it, it should change your deck building that much. I know field spells in Yu-Gi-Oh! lately, this applies to TCG, Master Duel, whatever, have just gotten really fucking strong. Like... They're just they're strong. They search an activation. They have an effect when you summon a monster of a certain like archetype, and then they have some other effect. And some on passive, top of it. like. And the thing is, like the Visa Starfrost ones in particular, like you know, Primitive Planet and Primeval Planet and all that stuff. Those have like really pushed the field spell design. Yeah, that Scareclaw one, man. Whew. Well, actually, you say that, but even that one's pretty strong. Like. Scareclaw's not a great deck, but it still searches on activation. It still has a passive um, buff, and it still can let you pop a card and, like, draw for it or whatever. You know what? You're right. It is Like, it's it's pretty, like, all of them have been pretty good, and I think, like, that's just been a trend that Yu-Gi-Oh's had even before then. Magical Meltdown, Dragonic Diagram. Oh, my god! Like, we've had some really strong field spells. Yo, it's crazy that Dragonic Diagram does not see play. Well, that, it's like that card one was, or something. Now. Oh, it's it's limited. One or two in the TCG. At least. Oh, okay, that explains it then. Because Dragonic Diagram was horrible. I yeah. that card. Yeah, yeah, Dragonic Diagram. It's a rude card. I don't remember. Like it's on. It's, a, it's one thing in Master Duel and another thing in the TCG. I don't remember the difference, but but either way, uh, yeah. I mean, so I think ma- terraforming going to to zero. It's a hit that hurts, but like it's kind of been a long time coming. So I mean that that's fair. Um, Maybe I'm being too mean in that take, but because what the difference is is now having three of your field spell versus four, right? You didn't have a great shot to begin with. And I mean, a lot of decks can also search their own field spell, so there's that. 
a lot of newer decks. Yeah, some of the newer, yeah, so some old ones. Older decks, uh, they're going to struggle. And just as a bit of an aside, I've never really liked the idea that Konami kind of has been doing when they support these legacy decks. They'll give them a field spell or something, mm-hmm. and they'll like top load that field spell with like a lot of good effects, but then it makes the deck kind of centralize on said field spell, yeah. and then if that field spell gets like cycloned on activation or something, then the whole deck. Then you realize your opponent's running Ogre, and you're like, oh, Yeah, no. or just something like that, so, yeah. Um, anyways, the cards that won, Keldo, Mudora, and Agito are all at one, although suspiciously not um, Kelbeck. Kelbeck? There's, yeah, the last one, it's still just at two. But they hit all these Ashizu cards, presumably because they did not want to hit any Tiarlaments cards, since they're maybe too new or something, I don't know. Mm. Prioritizing the new meta thing over anime is an interesting decision. Yeah, I think that by hitting these cards, their intention is to make the consistency in your mills in the tier elements deck. Like, they want to hit that. Right. So, when you hit these mills, because tier elements, you know, is it's rude. It's an annoying deck. But honestly, I always found the Ashizu cards to be the more irritating part about playing against them. Mm-hmm. Because... They would cause more mills to happen in mass because these all like mill five or whatever, right. whereas the tier elements cards usually mill like three at a time, and then they can like shuffle stuff from the grave back, and it just there were it it felt like they really caused the disruption to your opponent more so, and the tier elements cards are just doing their tier elements things. Now a quick aside, um, I don't, I'm not gonna derail this conversation, but the Digimon ban list had came out between you know this pod and the last pod. Mm-hmm. And a deck that got hit in Digimon was the Beelzemon deck, which actually has similarities to the Tiaramint deck. Beelzemon okay. is also a milling deck. And how they chose to kind of tamper that deck down, because the deck would just mill out to about 30 cards, and then it would just it would use that, that advantage to just OTK you. That was how, that's what it did. And they were like, okay, this deck's too much. Instead of hitting the card that does the OTK, instead of hitting the cards that um just call that start the combos, they hit the card that extended the mills. They hit an imp mon that when it gets sent to your trash or graveyard in Yu-Gi-Oh terms, it mills more cards. And then right, it, okay. that card also, when it's played, would in search for a card. So like it feels like a an Ashizu card. A similarity. I mean, I think. I think there's something to be said about that sort of a approach to hitting cards where maybe instead of hitting the starters, you're like specifically for a deck that's all about milling, mm-hmm. you hit the statistics. Yeah. You hit the ratio. And like the TCG chose to hit the TR elements cards, like the, the main deck monsters. They all went to one. Whereas in Master Duels, it's like they went with after the Ashizu cards. And like both kind of accomplished the same thing if we're talking strictly like chances of thing getting milled. In fact, I would argue the TCG hit it more harshly. Because, I mean, the TR elements are the ones you actually want, want to mill because then they do their things in the grave. The Caesar stuff just they disruption just help and you, yeah. pushing it along. So I think I'm interested in the, how these hits affect things. I know it's not what people wanted. I've seen a lot of people online saying, like, well, Tear's still going to be the best deck. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Could be, could not be. So also some things went to two. Sprite Blue. Um, I'm happy about this. I don't really like facing Sprite very much. So. I already told you guys I don't like Sprite, so you already know how I feel. Girsu, the Orcus Mech Knight. Uh, it was at one, and now it's at two. I think that's um, fine. 
I think that's fun, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Letting some of those cards back. We were talking about how in the TCG, people want to see a Harp Horror back. Yeah. What's interesting is Master Duel actually has, like, Harp Horror at one. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Mech Knight Orcus Gersu guy, like, they... I will give Master Duel this. They actually seem more, like, I guess, progressive and open about, like, kind of just letting, car, like, strong stuff exist. Even if it's, like, old, so... I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I did want to build a kind of general world legacy deck, but the some of the hits were are prohibitive to me doing that. The Dear Servant goes to two. This is one that was at one, and I don't really understand why it stayed at one as long as it did. It's kind of long since been crept out of like the 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 mainstream of like Yu-Gi-Oh like, in both TCG and Master Duel. My understanding, because uh, I saw a tweet or something. It was from Decade, and, he, mm-hmm. and um, they said that. I think the new Dogmatica stuff. It was Nadir Servant was like a one card uh, El Shadal Winda. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a thing. And that could, that that could be the reasoning why it was at one because it was it was just too annoying and too powerful, and mm-hmm. pushing up to two doesn't make it that much more powerful. But it's a big help for new Dogmatica support. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like, the Konami, probably, they see the statistics of play. Like, you know, just Nadir Servant's probably percentage of play has just gone down low enough that they think it's fine. Mm-hmm. So, I'm excited about oh. this because I actually wanted to build the Dogmatica Ritual deck. And that reminds me, they don't have Bist deals yet. Yeah, that's supposed to be, uh, presumably, coming here in the next, like, couple months, month or so. I think they'll, they'll loosen the reins on any, like... Light or dark strategy. Yeah, because Bissio kind of checks them. Because Bissio, they slap, they slap them around. Metaverse is at two. Uh, I guess this is supposed to be your like cons- consolation prize for losing terraforming. You can play another metaverse. I gotta play a trap. Yeah, no, no one wants to. I'm not doing that. And Cyber Angel Benton, which I don't think like really makes a huge difference. She goes to two. Yeah, she goes to two. She was at one. Kind of slightly helps maybe uh, Drytron or something. Man, it feels like Drytron feels so long ago. It does. Pandemic? It was, was pandemic. That, yeah, it was during that time. Yeah. Oof. So those are the changes. Um, they go into effect on June 8th. Again, just lots of knee-jerk reactions to this. People are kind of mixed. I actually would argue, I think this is a pretty good list for Master Duel. Give it a grade. And no oh, pluses okay. or minuses. You got to give me my pluses and my minuses. No. I'm a, I'm a high school teacher. It's got to be a, gonna be a plus or minus. If I had to give it a grade, I'll give it a B. A B? Yep. All right, all right. If you'd let me have a plus, I'd have said B plus. But Oh, my gosh. I, I You know, I think, like, the A plus list would have just been to, like, ban Kit Callows and, like, kind of let people be happy. But this will do. It'll do for me. So this is a C list. Um, you, and do you want to know why? Why? Because Dragoon is not playable still. Okay, that's, yeah. A lot of people seem to want Dragoon in Master Duel. I, know I want one. A big, a big thing. Give me you want to play like for Red Eyes and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So he has honest intentions. Not everybody has honest I, intentions. I, just, I want one. I, I, every list is going to be a C list until I get it. Ooh, okay. That's a lot of ban list talk. That's a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh. And there's still... We apologize to our viewers who actually don't play Yu-Gi-Oh. There's yeah. like two of you. We know. Yeah, sorry for those of you guys who tune in for non-Yu-Gi-Oh. There's, there's always going to be a lot. Okay. One last Yu-Gi-Oh thing, and it's not a ban list to go over, but the World Championship Qualifiers thing for Master Duel ended like a day or two ago. Yeah. And they tallied yeah. the results. 
I think that the way that they handle that world championship, like the way that you have to qualify or whatever, mm-hmm. is awful. Ingenious. I, <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I think uh, it, it's it's just not, you know. What is not to love about it? They've created a system that for three days straight, a the like a contingent of your player base just plays continuously. They and if they try if they try and stop, they fall in the ranks. So they gotta keep trying to play. And then whoever is in the lead pulls everyone behind them because they're trying to overtake that one person. Ah, oh. like as like a as a like smart business decision, ingenious. Yeah, as far as what it means for the players, I think it's awful. I I mean I oh, totally yeah, them them kids, boy. They, yeah. They look rough after that. Yeah, I totally um I totally get, you know, that Kanali wants you to just log on to Master Duel and like never leave your room. But I think that it feels like it's rewarding just quantity over quality. And I don't really like, you know, I just thought because it was a 72 hour thing for those regional qualifiers. Um, and you just had to kind of just stay on Master Duel the whole time and just play and play and play and like bash your head against basically either TR Limits, which is obviously very annoying to face, or anti TR Limits, which is usually normal summon false dyna, activate dimensional fissure, equip it with moon mirror shield, pass. Ooh. Like just, you know, it was so, 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 so polarizing. I feel like could there have been a better way? There definitely can be a better way, but it depends on the goals of this contest. Because I don't know that it even, like, determines who's, like, most maybe, like, qualified to go to Worlds. I think it's just who is willing to spend the most time. But the thing is, Worlds is going to be an entirely, like, different format yeah. and stuff. So it's just a little bit weird. I don't like seeing players, I guess, just get well, abused that way. Well, I Duel Worlds will be. It'll what be a different it? oh, format. Oh, yeah, the, the band It'll list. It'll be a different so, yeah, band it'll list. Different, it'll be a different format. And it's supposed to be like a Teams 3v3 thing, and there's all that. That'll so. be interesting. And, I mean, what do you think? Like, you feel like that's... So, I can't escape the, uh, like, the, like, armchair CEO in me, where I'm just, like, patting my devs on the back, where I'm like, y'all really created something horrible, man. These, these players, they are... Mm-hmm. They're just giving us all the like game time. The streaming numbers are up. Like this game looks like it's doing great right now, and that type of a system, I think many games would do it. But the bigger the game, the harder it is to have a system like this, because it does leave players unsatisfied. It does threaten the health of the people who really try and win these things. Mm-hmm. And Macedon can get away with it because there isn't this large social media outcry coming behind it. You know, if if um, League of Legends, if their like world tournament was decided by a system like this, it, it wouldn't make it, right? Yeah, I think that people would want like a more skill kind of focused thing. Because that's kind of the, the thing is like it doesn't necessarily feel like it's like a testing your skill. It's just testing your like endurance, your, endurance, your dedication. Because everyone's playing, you know, either sprite or tier or like anti tier. But yeah, um, I mean, everyone that's everyone. And to be fair, we're not. I'm not taking anything away from the people who did rank. Everyone who made it to who made it to 2023 worlds, they do deserve it. They are good at the game. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I just think that I I take more. I take more issue with Konami's system than they have in place. Now I've he- I've heard this is what they've done with Duel Links for the last several years. Yeah, they the same. same so there's, there's nothing thing. new, and they probably won't be changing. 
But I don't know. I just don't think that like you should run your players ragged for in, in this sort of system. Because I mean, there were there were there were people who were tweeting tweeting out the process. There were live streams, and you could really see how like there was a dedication there. Yeah, but like how it drained them. Yeah, it's a draining thing, and I don't like that. Like I, whatever. So I saw someone tweet that they took off work. So that they could oh, com- fully commit their three they're, days. They're 72 hours. And, and the thing is, I saw the lists of the people who were going to, who had qualified and uh, didn't see that person's name on there. I saw uh, Sam, Team Samurai X1. And he was mm-hmm. like doing the grind and he ended up in fourth place after like oh, just grinding for 72 hours. I'd be sick. Yeah, and I'd be so just pissed because it's like, man. And again, he's probably too tired to be sick. Yeah, I don't know. So. But, you know, congrats to him, even though he didn't actually make it in. Congrats to him for getting fourth, I guess. There, That's your prize. I say, I guess there, there's no Is there no a consultation? Real, no. Yeah, there's no I, like, I think you get a title. Get a title for being fourth place? Like in the game, maybe. Right. I don't know. Like, so, whew. congrats to the people who made it. Uh, hopefully, you can enjoy Master Duel at Worlds. And hopefully, they can change this honestly very abusive system. I totally understand why they do it. I get that for them, they don't care as long as people are logging in and playing and, you know. But I'm surprised that once they um that they don't do more of a bracketed maybe like single elimination system. I guess it's hard to do that given the sheer amount of players. Yeah, I mean I think that you would do pools. Yeah. Is you what you would pools. do. Like you do pools or like some sort of a seating where, you know, you can kind of skip over it if you have like a high enough rank from the other stuff. That's sort mm-hmm. of what they do with the dual level thing. And then just, like, kind of break people up into pools, and then from that you can create, like, a, you know, 32-man bracket at the end or something. But that might be hard because then people want to be online at the same time in order to play in their right. bracket match. and, and then we have different... So, it, what's as yeah. painful as the system we have now... I don't th- know that I know a better, Yeah, it might be hard solution. to replace it. So... That's enough about Yu-Gi-Oh! But I do want to talk about another card game story that I've become... More personally involved with than I expected. <laughs> okay, I think I know which one. Um, this article says, Black Aragorn in Lord of the Rings sparks outrage. Yeah, so this is a Magic the Gathering story. Um, explain it to me because I, you guys know I'm not like super versed in Magic or Lord of the Rings. That's true. This so you have the Paul's stage. a fish out of water in this one. So, Magic the Gathering is doing a set where it's a collaboration between them and, I guess, the Tolkien estate. I'm not sure who exactly owns Lord of the Rings. Either way, this Magic set is completely themed around the Lord of the Rings franchise. Is this the one that has, like, the single ring card that you can... Yes. It's, like, going to be worth a billion billion yeah, dollars? Okay. We, I think we talked about it before where they have the one-of-one one ring card. Okay. And yeah. you think that that would be the biggest controversy of the set, but... Wizards will always impress you with how they can stir up a conversation. They found themselves on this podcast every single week since we started. There's always a new magic thing. Always something. Anyway. Anyway, but this one, I don't mean, I don't even really fault them for. It's just, uh, I think people taking it the wrong way. So they did their own interpretation of characters and events from the Lord of the Rings story. Now remember, it's a trilogy. It's three books, but it's also The Hobbit, but it's mostly the, the trilogy books right. that's inspired from. And one character, Aragorn, this is the quintessential kind of male hero. He mm-hmm. becomes a king. He's a great guy. Lots of charisma, lots of leadership. Uh, one of my favorite characters of all time. 
their depiction of Aragorn and Magic the Gathering as well black. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the controversy, isn't it? And like, Aragorn is famously white. I mean, it's just I mean, in the movies, he's a white guy. In the books, he's a white guy. They describe him as being pale and everything else. Yeah. And people aren't pleased by this. They are so incredibly not pleased. Um Yeah, I saw <sighs> so I saw when um the official magic Twitter account like posted, you know, just the, mm-hmm. his official artwork or whatever and some of the lore behind it. Comments were not uh the kindest on that post. Some people were pretty outraged. Like it's it's what you'd expect. Lots of ner- nerds don't like things that change, and that's in any franchise. Yeah. So you expect a lot of Lord of the Rings purists to be upset by a change like this. But it got a wor- it got worse than that. Yeah, did it. Um <clears throat> so the this change attracted lots of kind of alt-right types and white supremacy types who, I guess, either they saw Aragorn as this, like, hero of theirs personally, or they just saw it as an opportunity to convert people over to their way of thinking, you know, the white replacement theory, yada, yada, yada. a lot of that. Because, I, I do, once again, I do think that it is fair to be unhappy seeing your favorite character changed. Yeah. I don't think it's okay to call people slurs. Yeah, insult their intelligence. Because they like the change. But, you know, I just, uh, so I made a tweet. <laughs> Big mistake. That was your first mistake. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have used Being Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> what, a, uh, what an idiot. But I, I made a tweet, and I guess we can pull it up in the. Yeah, I'll, I'll show it on the screen. We'll show it on the screen. But uh, in my tweet, I just say that um, I like the depiction of Aragorn. I said Aragorn like looks familiar, and I think that's cool. I that's pretty much it. I didn't say anything more than that. And this tweet blew up. Yeah, it got way more engagement than I would have ever expected from a tweet of mine. And it attracted the a crowd, a crowd of people that I didn't even truly understood were on the platform. Yeah, it was nasty. I was I was called dumb, many different types of slurs. Um, everyone another kept word saying, for dumb. Yeah, a, 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 a very a very not PC word for being dumb. Um, yeah, and it was all off this idea that um, I needed to see myself in like a character in order to love the story, but that's not. That's not at all what I said and not what I meant either. Yeah, it got nasty. I mean, for what it's worth, you weren't even the per- like the only person who was, I mean, under fire. I-, I saw so many people were posting. It was just it was everywhere. Like I did, it's like these people really came out of the woodwork to I guess defend, you know, their who was in their eyes, you know, like their hero, their version of this character, like is mm-hmm. the, the only real one. Um, I saw the professor, um, Tularean Community College. He was tweeting about, you know, it, this is like blatant racism and hatred. You guys, like, this has no place in the magic community. They were lambasting him, saying, you know, he Oof. was a, a black apologist or that he was trying to be a gatekeeper. I think it's tricky because... Oh, if you read some of those comments in the post, and guys, I locked that post, but I mean, I didn't delete anything because I do want 
I want anyone and everyone to be able to look to and, look and see and see what was said the sort underneath of things that there. Were, that Alec was that were told. Yeah. But um, like that was the there was more gatekeeping going on in that like in those replies than I I or the professor could have been doing. Yeah, I think it it's tricky because there's a part of me deep down where like I can at least see it from the other lens where like. It is a character who is kind of designed a certain way and it feels like the change maybe is just for the sake of, right? Like, I think for a lot of people, they see it as like, oh, they're just changing it to to be, you know, to pander or to be woke or whatever. And I know that for a lot of people, these characters are like, they hold these characters dear, right? Nerds tend to do that. You know, like nerds, fanboys. And I'm not saying nerds, like, I'm a nerd. Like, we're nerds. Like, we, we all have these tendencies. It's just that I think, like, the amount of vitriol and anger and sort of turning it into like character attacks and some of the terminology and stuff just doesn't have a place. I don't right. understand why people can can get how people can get that upset about it. I don't know. Especially given the scope of what we're talking about here. This isn't a movie adaptation of Lord of the Rings. This isn't a new book. This isn't a comic book. This is static artwork. For Magic the Gathering's rendition of that story, yeah, and like it's nothing like, more. It's like a, a collab, you know. Yeah, like it's not it's a, really. It's a it's a one time thing. I think that's something too. Is like it doesn't, you know, fundamentally change. Like they're not like erasing the original Lord of the Rings in any way. Nope. The books are the same. Things, the movies are the same. These things can all like just kind of coexist. It's just one rendition of it. And this isn't so. going to be what Lord of the Rings is going forward. I'm sure they're going to remake the entire trilogy at some point. And I'm sure Aragorn will be just as white as he ever was. And the thing yeah. is, I have no problem with that. I loved white Aragorn. Yeah, I, I think it's... People maybe see that and they see a threat to the things they hold dear. But I, I really wish they wouldn't because I don't think that it's... I think that it's just a rendition. And if more people can relate to this artwork of him, if this can allow people to feel more... Like you were saying, like you know, it kind of feels familiar and you can kind of see yourself maybe more in the character... That brings more people to a franchise, and I don't think that's a bad thing. It's like people kept telling me in the comments, and you'll read, you can read them if you check it out. They they kept saying, "Well, what if we made Black Panther white? How would you feel?" You're like, "You're this is all such in bad faith because if we made Black Panther white, it was like, but you have white like Marvel heroes. Like if you made Black Panther white, he'd be just like one of the many others." Yeah, it's it's rough, and I mean. I hate to say it because, like, I know normally we're kind of like, you know, it feels like we're always like lambasting Wizards of the Coast for something, you know, the Pinkertons yeah, and, or and look, you know, guys, let's else. not, let's not, you know, and those are separate issues. Yeah, right? like it's all separate. Like, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not gonna give them a pass on that. But I think in this case, I mean, they they made it an executive decision. Like people sign off on this. I think that's also something that needs to be said. Is like this wasn't like someone snuck this artwork like onto the card, and, right? You know, it, no, like. Wizard signed off on it. I guess the Tolkien estate yeah, in signed some off way, on it. Right. Like, someone in charge of Lord of the Rings said, yeah, this is fine with me. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I think, I know that doesn't mean a lot to some people, but I think that it should be said that, yeah, like, this was a, they knew what they were doing. It was a concerted decision. And I think it was a good one. I mean, I'm not even saying it was, like, the best one. I think it could have been perfectly fine if they just depicted him as he's normally been depicted. That would have yeah, been fine, too. It would have been cool. But I think that to choose to kind of do it this way is also fine. And, like, let's not forget, y'all, this is a card. It's a card. You're either going to play it or you're not. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, it's interesting because I've seen a lot of people who are just excited for the set. Like, just the cards are really good, and mm. they're excited to play them. And so they're kind of just more like, oh, cool, I can't wait to buy these cards and play them. Like, I still think there's a lot to love about the idea of a collab like this. Like, a card game getting a collab with a major media property, the whole, like, one-of-one one ring card or whatever that's going to probably be worth millions. Although, personally, I hope that, like, a kid pulls it. And knows just has no clue what it is, and like throws it away, and his dog eats it. Like, this is and a, we never find out about it. What if it's someone opens video. it and it's damaged? So that's the funny thing about that. I saw somebody like they showed. I think the ring card on like the official Magic account. Like mm-hmm. there was like a video or something of it, like in the maybe factory. Like it was this is promotional material, and someone was saying it already looked a little like warped. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know. That's like based on like a, a screenshot. So could be something else. But that's they, what I saw. They print so. a new one and replace it. Like, oh. <laughs> but moral of the story, at least to me, is like I don't think that it, there, there's no need to act that way about this. It's, it's not. I don't think that that's good. Like, I'm uh, sorry that happened to you. It's honestly. Just- I mean, your phone was blowing up. It was crazy. Your phone was blowing up. At first, because at first I didn't want to turn off my notifications. At first, I thought it was, uh, it was. I thought it was funny. Then it got very personal. Because at some point, or very early in, really, they out they were attacking me personally, as if I make commissioned yeah, and made the artwork. And, yeah, <laughs> see, that's when it's not. I was just like, y'all don't even know me. At least follow me if you're gonna like. It's like, you know, only gained, like, 30 followers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Out of, like, 600 comments. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I think that was just, that's a fiasco. And, I mean, like, and that's not even the only instance of it. I've seen, like, there's obviously been lots of headlines. and Yeah. It's just, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. People, people got to, like, you know. But it is what it is. We move on, just like in this pod, as we move on to our next story. Yeah, so uh, Dolphin Emulator on Steam got removed. Is that, is that legal? Can we talk about that? Yeah, so it was, it was just a news story. Well, you know um, Nintendo be sending them, you know, they send them people after you. Nintendo has filed a DMCA notice against Valve See? and the Dolphin Emulator development team, which removed the title's Steam listing. So this is a little bit, this is like an odd story to me, and here's why. So um, do you know what Dolphin Emulator is? Uh, don't you play, you play Smash on there. Yeah. Um, so Dolphin, it's like an emulator. Wait, did I just dox you? <laughs> no, I mean... Well, I don't know um, if, like, Nintendo's going to come after you now. Yeah, so, like, Dolphin is an emulator. You can play GameCube games. You can play Wii games. Um, it's been around for a very long time. And they, I guess the developers of Dolphin were going to have it listed on Steam. Like, there's going to be a thing that's on the Steam store. And you can... And was, I don't think they were charging for it, but, like, you could download it. So, ease of access. Yeah, and they were even careful not to actually mention the word Nintendo in the listing or any of the descriptions. They just said, like, you can play... Popular games from, like, the big N or something like that. The big N. But uh, Nintendo filed a DMCA takedown notice. Um, it claimed the title had violated Nintendo's rights per the anti-circumvention portion. Uh, so, yeah, their tweet was, It is with much disappointment that we have to announce that the Dolphin on Steam release has been indefinitely postponed. We are currently investigating our options. And we'll have a more in-depth response in the near future. Um... So, I don't really know why the hell they wanted to put it on the Steam store. I mean, I think they just wanted to make it easier for people to get to, to access it. it. Yeah. But, but like, so 
Yeah, you're probably right. I think my guess is that they were probably trying to put it on the, um, like, so it'd be easier to get on a Steam Deck. Like, if you have a Steam Deck, like, people, because people put Dolphin on the Steam Deck already. But this would make it a more, like, straightforward process. And so, I guess the idea is just that, like, it would make that easier. I just, but I mean, like, you can just download Dolphin. And they're not making any money from, from it being on Steam. So, I don't really, I'm just surprised they even bothered doing this. I mean, but. I guess maybe they thought that they that they were off Nintendo's radar, and they thought that uh, you know maybe we can try something new. Yeah. Now, there's also some arguments about like how like the emulator itself is not illegal. What's illegal is like distributing the ROMs, right? And but still, like the court fees, if they were to the Dolphin developers were to take this to court against Nintendo, would be like probably millions of dollars. Nintendo's huge they'll fight this in court to the bitter end and you'll lose and you'll have lost a lot of money and yeah, your business stuff in the done. process. So I don't know. It's, just, it's kind of one of those stories that's sort of unfortunate, but also like, I, I just, mean, you can still just download dolphin yourself. So it just reminds me of what, we, what, uh, what we talked about last week. Uh, it just feels that, um, corporations are anti gamer because all yeah. dolphin does is it lets you play games on platforms. They don't even support anymore. Yeah. I think, uh, Nintendo, they're just they're, they're one like they're high up on the totem pole of like they do not like piracy or anything that looks like it. You know, I follow it's Smash. Like, They've had you plenty like of, Wii games. Play the Switch port. Yeah, like I followed Smash. There's been plenty of, you know, they they had they butt heads with Nintendo all the time over different things like that. So uh, kind of unfortunate, but you can still get Steam, I guess, if you want. And you mean uh, Dolphin, Dolphin or Steam, you can get Steam if you want. That's, that's true. That's <laughs> I true. use Steam. Steam it's is cool. still here, guys. Steam's cool. Um, you can even get Dolphin working on like a Steam Deck without this method or whatever. So right, you you can just you can uh what because you can you can run Windows on the thing. So yeah, so that's that story. You got anything? Uh, yeah. So I do have more Konami news. Oh, okay. Is this not Yu Gi Oh? Just Konami? Yeah, no, it's not Yu Gi Oh. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. Uh, so Konami confirms Kojima isn't working on Metal Gear Solid Three Remake. Because for some reason, people thought that he might be. Oh, certainly not. I mean, he's not with them anymore, right? He's definitely not. It just, it to me, it's so funny that um, Konami is making something other than a Yu-Gi-Oh! video game and not a soccer video game. It's Metal Gear. Yeah, in and 2023. people uh, got some like weird like hope inside of them. What, and they're like, they're like, Kojima would be working is, on it. Is Kojima back? No, of course no, not. I mean, like, Kojima and like, he left Konami on like, like not good terms, horrible terms. Yeah, it was not was, a it was it was not a fruitful relationship as both he and so, Konami put it. This is something I actually didn't understand from that trailer. Um, so this is a remake, kind of remastered thing. This Metal Gear Solid game that's coming out, like the Metal Gear Del- Alpha or Delta or whatever that. Yes, it's a remake of. Because oh, I saw those graphics. The graphics look so good. I thought it was like a new Metal Gear thing. Well, but it's just like a, it's like a, like Final Fantasy VII yeah, remake type, like of. Final Fantasy VII remake. Okay, so a very supposed, supposedly very high quality and high like remake. budget thing. Yeah, it looked really good. I just, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. Kojima's not involved now. That he probably feels some type of way about it, but I guess he signed off the rights to. I don't know the specifics of that. Anybody, like, someone's going to be like, no, this and this and the other and the case. I don't know. I don't know anything about Metal Gear Solid. I mean, I don't really, I haven't played any of the games. I just, I know that there was a lot of, when when he, like, finally left Konami, I know there was, like, a lot of bad press around it. 
So it reminds me of like some of the issues we've ha- they've had in the comic book industry. You know, Metal Gear Solid is known as Kojima's baby, and like it's still owned by Konami. Like mm-hmm. they have they have plaques and stuff of him in their office, not yeah. of Kojima, of like Snake not of Kojima, and of Snake, yeah, figures and all that. It's crazy that you can make something for these corporations and then they just... And they can like ultimately just like keep it and discard you. Yeah, they you can go, they keep it. I mean, you know, there's an argument to be had that, that what they did there is like, you know, wrong. But maybe like... I don't know the specifics. Like I, I just, I don't want to presume to know. Because like I do think that there are people at Konami who probably worked on Metal Gear Solid and also feel that way about it though. Mm-hmm. Like they like maybe somebody who did some of the like more character design or environmental design or like did a lot of coding on it and stuff like that or just worked on the music, they might still be there and they are still really closely tied to Metal Gear. And that's but true also too. still like, like these to are Konami. very collaborative efforts. It's not just so, one person that makes these games. You know, and I've even heard like some things like, you know, Kojima was apparently maybe not the nicest guy himself in regards to it also. I don't, I don't know, like, I, but I think that you're probably still more so right, like, that it just, it sucks that this is being made without him, and something about that feels a little wrong. It's just that, it's the idea that, like, corporations can own things, like, corporations are already considered, like, separate entities for, like, legal reasons and, like, tax reasons. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that pe- a person or people can create something. And then an entity can, an entity can own, own it. it. Yeah. And then there's also, like, and, and that applies to, it's so, when you kind of zoom out from it for a bit, mm-hmm. that applies to, like, everything that we like. Yeah. Every single, like, all these little properties that you think, like, stand for something or, like, have, or it means something, have a message, or, like, that they are all properties owned by, like, corporations. Yeah. And I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to take that whole like it's a conspiracy thing. I mean like I'm serious like it's not a conspiracy. Mario and Zelda and Sonic and all that like in Pokemon, all of them are like that. Batman and Superman and Aragorn and like Lord of the Rings, all of it, every last thing is like a company's sort of tool to use as they desire. It's a thing that they can sell to you. It's a thing that they can like rip away from you. I mean, there's a reason why we started calling these things IPs, intellectual property. That's legally. Yes. It's things that can change. Like, you know, people get upset with Marvel when this or that happens. They change this hero or something, someone, someone got written out or they remastered this thing. It's These are all like IPs that, they, that are malleable to these corporations. Mm-hmm. They'll, they they will can work it, it however they can. work it however they money. want. They will change something to pander to you. They'll mm-hmm. make your favorite, like, if you want to look at it, like, they'll make your favorite character black if they think it sells more. They'll, like, re release some old port of a game and charge fifty nine ninety nine for it. Though like there's anything can happen and as much as it might kind of seem like this game stands for something, and it can for you, but it doesn't mean it does for them. Like if you you can feel I think you can feel attached to the IP. Yeah. And I think that's as much as a personal investment you should have in things like this. Don't yeah, I think that Sorry, go ahead. Because, uh, I mean, that's essentially what I was going to say. Because I was going to say, don't go to, like, something I see a lot on the internet is, like, don't go to battle for these companies. Like, you know, when right. I see, like, these, like, kind of fanboy wars where it'll be, like, you know, Xbox versus PlayStation, 
as though these companies don't just see you as a dollar sign anyway. But like, people will go to bat for them. Like, oh, Sony, they do this better, and like you know, Xbox does this better, and like, I remember, well, this not. It's like, <laughs> I remember when um the act actors were criticizing like. The Marvel and like Kevin Feige and them and Dave Bautista and whoever else they should be grateful to Marvel. They they should like it was like all right okay, relax whatever. like I don't know I mean I just <laughs> it's a billion dollar yeah like I, I think that that's something that people kind of miss in the whole thing is they get like enjoy the the work like you can enjoy the game but just be careful of I guess like like I'm a PlayStation's most loyal fan I'm gonna right. go to war for them. It's like, uh, yeah, look, know. maybe all my devices are Samsung, my tablet, my phone, my watch, my TV. But oh, there he goes. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean. I don't owe Samsung. Sh- no, I owe them yeah. nothing. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you don't owe them anything. They don't owe you anything. I'm not like going to Apple anytime soon, though. No. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. But yeah, the Metal Gear thing, just to get back to that, it's, uh, it is a little weird, I guess, feeling, but. They're gonna release it and they're gonna sell it's it. It's gonna come out. If you, the <laughs> thing is, keep it. I say keep it simple. If you like Metal Gear, buy and play the game. Keep everything else. Nope. Just don't yeah, think anything don't more like, about it. Don't tie it to any more than that. Okay, I've got a story. What you got? Um, Lord of the Rings Gollum. Just, I think that this probably. <laughs> I, I meant to. Um, it's a good segue from the first Lord of the Rings thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord of the Rings Gollum devs had to issue a statement following the release of a broken game i didn't know what this game was or it existed but this was this was on my feed so i felt like it it makes sense to so i knew that game was coming out what is this tell me just just in brief it's this uh, did you see the lord of the rings movies i don't know anything about lord of the rings all right so it's hard i know nothing i'm completely uh just it's the lord of the rings story kind of told from the perspective of Gollum, a I guess fan favorite character. Sure. It's, Gollum's a very feeble, sad. It's I don't know. Look, guys, I don't even well, like Gollum. Game? What's the game about? I mean, it's about it him playing I, him. I don't know. Look, I don't like Gollum. Never did. Not one day in my life. So when they when they announced that this this game was coming out, I was like, oh, that's something I won't be playing, and I ignored it. And then I then I forgot about it until these stories came out. Yeah, so this game came out and I guess was um, not finished, which, like, you know, that's nothing super new. In, in gaming today, that is not new. But they released this apology tweet and... Uh, oh, let me hear this. So it's, as always, it's like the black background with, like, the white text that they always use. Um, they type it on their, like, notes app. No, so they have, like, this sort of, like, decorated, like, image. Anyways, here's what they say. I might skip a few lines because it's kind of long. Dear players, we would like to sincerely apologize for the underwhelming experience many of you have had with Lord of the Rings Gollum upon its release. We acknowledge and deeply regret that the game did not meet the expectations we set for ourselves or for our dedicated community. Please please accept our sincere apologies for any disappointment this may have caused. And they kind of go on to say that... As a studio and passionate Lord of the Rings fans, we've always wanted to tell a compelling and immersive story to an adventure. We understand the game's success relies on the enjoyment and satisfaction of the players. We genuinely value your feedback and have been actively listening to your voice, reading your comments, and analyzing the constructive criticism and suggestions you provided. Our development team has been working diligently to address the bugs and technical issues that many of you experienced. Um, we, again, deeply apologize. There's going to be patches. There's going to be improvements. Thanks for your support. Sincerely, Dead Alec Entertainment. So... 
this is cool. I mean, you know, it's a heartfelt apology. It also joins the many, mm-hmm. many, the trend of many um of these apology letters that have become a lot more common in like the game space in the last month in the last <laughs> even just yeah even as recently as like the release of redfall i know that there, like people were making collages of Overwatch all of the, had one. All, yeah of all of the just like apologies from these studios redfall had one i think overwatch like kind of got basically had one um what was for spoken mm-hmm. cyberpunk halo like it's, yeah. it doesn't really change with these companies it feels like it's it's, it's always I feel like there's a disconnect between, I think, their fiduciary duty to their stakeholders and the gamers, the audience that they're supposed to be serving. I think their fiduciary duty pushes them to release games in unfinished states, and then they just apologize to us. So they do. They try to do what they need to do to, to please their stakeholders, and then they just tell us sorry. Don't worry, we'll patch it out. We'll don't worry. Day one patch DLC. Yeah, there's the Jedi Survivor one. There's that one from that one Bethesda game. I forget which one. What did Jedi Survivor um, apologize for? I heard good things about that one. I've heard good things, but apparently there was something wrong. Oh no, no, it's just it, it's interesting because it's like just don't like this year we've gotten a lot of single player games that have been very polished mm-hmm. and like you know there's the Zelda. There's Hogwarts Legacy, and I guess that, that Jedi game. Like, they've gotten really good reviews. People have really liked them, and, like, I think it shows, and a lot of those games got delayed. I remember Hogwarts got delayed. I remember Zelda got delayed. And usually when you delay the game, it gets to be better, and, like, you don't that's have true. to. That's true. They did delay Cyberpunk. That's a different story. I don't even know what to say. I don't even get me started on that game. But, like, that's the thing. It's just, like, I don't know. I, I'm Another apology notice, like, just it doesn't. Like, add it to the list, you know? Yay, one more. I don't think anybody gets away with selling incomplete products the way the gaming industry does. Can you imagine if you were sitting down, you bought your movie ticket, you sat down to watch the latest Marvel epic, right? This three-hour-long, like, lore fest fight. And then, so you get to about the one-hour and, like, 15-minute mark. It and then cuts it just out. cuts to black. And then in white letters, I'm sorry, appears. Yeah, and they like a little apology. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the <laughs> games industry has also realized, though, that uh, people get so excited for these games and they'll pre-order them and, like, buy them. And I think they've just found out that, like, we can kind of ship first, ask questions later, right? It's just Ship weird. it without, like, game modes. Ship it without, like, bug testing. And we'll just promise that we'll do it over time and, like, figure it out. You know, it's that, it reminds me of that, the opposite of that phrase, like, making your money on the back end. Yep. Because of pre-orders, they can make their money on the front end. Yeah, I think the thing to take away from this is, like, I, I just wouldn't even pre-order. If, like, I don't play a lot of games. I said that, like, last week and stuff. I'm, I'm not a big gamer, but, like, I... I I think in the climate that it's at now, with these like triple A games or what are supposed to be triple A games, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't pre-order shit. You can't trust it, man. You just can't I, trust that anything. I will don't be... pre-order games, and now I can't even like buy a game day one because I just don't know how it's going to run. That or it's going to be like be... a twenty gigabyte day one patch. Mm-hmm. Can't forget those. So now I'm I'm skeptical about everything. I haven't even bought Jedi Survivor. Because I had to let it sit for a while so that the reviews came in and pe- people's player experiences got explained. And now 
now I'm like, okay, so when will I play? I don't know. I kind of missed the like the hype boat for it, but at least I now know the game is safe to buy and play. But you can't always yeah. know that. So that sucks. Just another kind of game join. Another studio apology letter joins the stack. Now you know a game that seems complete that's coming out very soon, hmm. or I guess when you guys see this, it'll be out. Street Fighter Six. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Yeah, I've been looking forward to Street Fighter Six for a long time. I guess anyone within the Street Fighter community and many in the FGC community as a whole have been since Street Fighter reviews. Five came out forever ago. Yeah, I saw it's gotten good reviews. It's been like seven years since Street Fighter Five. Yeah, it's like it's crazy. So much DLC, so many season passes. There, there's good and bad parts to it, but Street Fighter Six is launching as one of the most complete fighting games I've ever seen. Since, like, the old PS2 games of games being done back in those days. But, right, yeah. that game is finished. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're going to have DLC and ads. Good to know stuff. that there are still games that do. It's They're far <laughs> and few between, man. Aren't you got any other stories? Yeah, actually. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about AI in that one episode. I don't know if that was the last episode or episode before. Mm-hmm. But, um... <laughs> AI industry and researchers signed statement warning of extinction risk. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, I have always loved um, like cyberpunk anime and science and science fiction novels and whatnot. So, I was looking really looking forward to when AI was going to be a thing, because AI in just about every science fiction work that I can think of, eventually goes wrong. It gets sometimes it goes sentient, sometimes it just goes rogue. Oftentimes the AI becomes smarter and more efficient than the people that made it. And then that poses a risk to human life. So, so what happens here? Dozens of AI industry leaders, academics, and even some celebrities on Tuesday called for reducing the risk of global annihilation due to artificial <laughs> intelligence, arguing in a brief statement that the threat of an AI extinction event should be a top global priority. <clears throat> this, is a, this is a quote. Mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks, such as pandemics and nuclear war. This is uh, this statement is by the Center for AI Safety. The statement was signed by leading industry officials, the OpenAI CEO, Sam Altman, the godfather of AI, Geoffrey Hinton, and then top executives from like Google DeepMind and Anthropic, Kevin Scott, Microsoft's chief, Microsoft's chief officer, Bruce Shiner, and some other people too. Cool. <clears throat> Can't go to sleep tonight. Because, man, look, man, AI. Yeah, I mean, this is, <laughs> you know, the scariest part about the whole AI thing is. What's the scariest? Is this the fact, like, do you remember, it, you feel like it just appeared overnight. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's right around, like, January, right? That's when it made, like, like December, January, news. that's when it just, like, suddenly, like, oh, chat GPT is just out, and you can, like, type to it and talk to it and write your essays and do your taxes and everything else. There was a story the other day about like the the lawyer who used like ChatGPT and it mm-hmm. like cited non-existent like cases and sources and stuff and like he's under fire. But you get know, that man debarred. Like, and there's just so many things I remember. Or like disbarred. there's like AI Drake and AI Kanye and like those are things. AI are replacing us. You know that's the replacement theory. There's the deep fakes. It's just there's so like it just appeared, man. It just appeared. It's fast too. Because I mean. Technology move, evolves at an exponential rate, and when it was introduced to us, 
we were already seeing the past of what AI researchers were working on at the time. That was just the most stable, like, consumer-friendly thing they could show. What's always scary is, like, anytime you see something with AI and you think, like, oh, I can tell. Like, I can see the difference in those pictures or, like, that doesn't, it still sounds fake. Like, this is, like, the worst. I know, like, people say this, like, this is the worst it'll ever be. Like, it's only going to improve from here. I mean, I guess it's good to know that our uh, resident CEO billionaires are uh, concerned. Do you know why they're concerned? I think it's a liability thing. No. I think... uh, See, for a billionaire, they're not they're not really human anymore. They don't have the same problems and worries as we do. Yeah. So but they have to worry about something. So they move on to the next thing. Though something that they can't just throw money at to make not a problem is AI becoming a danger to humanity. No matter how much money you make as a billionaire, how do you what happens when an AI is has become so intelligent? It can pose as you and start trying to sell off your assets or claim your assets. I mean, I don't even know if it goes that deep yet. I mean, it probably does. That's the beauty of it. It is like for us. Yeah, we have so many real world worries. Yeah, for them, it's. I mean, I've always thought it was just like a lot. Like, it's good public posturing to like be like, oh, we signed the agreement to help AI not kill us all. But also, I think it's just like a liability thing where it's like, well, we signed this agreement. So, like, you know, it's a gesture of goodwill. So now when Google Bard tells you to jump off a building or whatever, or when someone actually, I don't know, dies because of some medical advice that ChatGBT gave them, there will be just some degree of plausible deniability and stuff. I mean, I'm sure it's already in the fine print for those things where I it's mean, like, oh, you know, right. we take no responsibility for any crazy shit this thing tells you to do. But, like... I mean, the thing is, I think at some point we will literally not be able to take responsibility for what AI is capable of doing. Right now, it operates within the constraints that we give it, but that's what we know of as the general public. There have been people flexing online for months now saying how chat GPT is like infantile compared to what the AI that they're really working yeah, on. Yeah, what's really going on. So. They've been flexing constantly because they just want to dunk on like, chat GPT because they went public first, but... Yeah, I mean, ChatGPT is the big figurehead of it, but like, there's plenty of other stuff, I'm sure. So, <laughs> but to uh, for us normal, like general people, um, Chat ChatGPT is enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I also, you know, one last thing about the AI bit um, is there's this sort of thing I've been thinking too, where it's like, so you know, you can use like they've been advertising a lot of services or like features of chat GPT and other like AI services where like they can basically take a lot of information and condense it down. Mm -hmm. They can also like take a basic prompt and like expand it. So like in like Gmail, I'm in that little beta where like I can type in a prompt from, it it can like reply to my emails for me with like these AI things. I can type a prompt and be like, respond to this email and ask for a refund for this thing. Right. Or please, you know, explain like whatever i can i can give it a prompt for an email mm-hmm. and it can write it and i can even have it like expand it and write more or like contract it down or change the tone all that stuff but um what's interesting is you can also throw a bunch of text into ai be like hey here's this essay give me the gist of it here's this like you know long wall of text give me the gist of it and you already have like tldr culture right you see some yeah. long wall of text on reddit or twitter or whatever and you don't want to read this someone just tell me that give me the the highlights Give me the TikTok. What's interesting is there's going to be this world, if you're considered, where, like, you are going to write an email to me. Okay. But you're going to use AI to do it. And so your prompt is going to be, like, tell Paul about the issues with this project that we're working on. 
and it's going to kind of like write, like extend that little prompt into like this long email. I'm going to get the email, and I'm going to have a feature on my end that's like, okay, this email is way too fucking long. I don't want to read it. So condense this down for me and like tell me what the gist. And it's going to condense it down into like a few sentences. So basically Alec is just saying this and this and this. And I'm going to be like, oh, okay, cool, got it. Then I'm going to tell it to write a response to you saying like, you know, acknowledge that this thing is right and make these like changes and kind of explain why this seems bad. And it's going to expand that prompt and send it to you. And then on your end, you're going to be like, this is too much to read. And like, we're going to be ping pong. But the thing is, we're not actually going to be talking to each other. If you think about it, right? Like it's going to just be Mm -hmm. AI basically robots speaking to each other and like expanding info, contracting info, expanding info, contracting info. Like, and it'll just be just this kind of loop where humans, I know it sounds doomer, but like humans aren't like, we aren't the ones talking. Because I remember like Google, they, they were showing how like, the AI can help you like find stuff to buy and all this stuff and try things on and like clothes and food and whatever. And then you can even make like social media posts with it. Like it will tweet it out for you. Like tweet about how excited I am to have bought this thing. But like, what would, like, what does it mean if social media itself, like the, the tweets were written by AI. And so like you have AI write your tweets and you're reading other people's tweets and those are written by AI. So it's like the, the robots are like actually social media and they're talking to each other and just representing us. Is that not like, I'm sorry. I know that's that it's exactly went. what I'm looking forward to. I think it's like it's the, all very uh, terrifying. But that's why they have the warning of extinction risk. Because think about it. Communi- well, what you just described, com- communication is one of those fundamental human things that make us different from the rest of the animals on this planet. We can communicate in much finer detail. And if we just start letting AI do that for us. Yeah, well, we just lose our ability to actually like. What? Right. Like, what <laughs> are we? Because then, because what you just described, that may create a situation where dolphins communicate better than we do. Perhaps. And that's horrific. <laughs> well, I think it's a good point to end it. Um, You know, it's nothing, a little existential dread doesn't, yeah, doesn't sure. hurt anybody. Yeah, you know, A little cold chill in the morning. Yeah, so this is a longer episode. Uh, hopefully you guys stuck with us through it. We uh, will have some special guests on next time. So hopefully. hopefully. So I think that'll be kind of exciting. You guys can look forward to it. We might have gotten Keanu Reeves. Yeah, he's definitely he's in the next room over. Just waiting. Uh yeah, so that's been the pot of greed. Like I said, you can find it on, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google. Got the RSS feed, it's all gonna be in the description. Let us know what you think of anything that we talked about today. Yeah. Bandless, black Aragorn, or uh AI ending all of our lives. Yeah. And guys, and next time we will have Cards inside the uh, the pot of greed. Yeah, we've so, got the uh, pod. We we just or the pot for the pod. Um, so we'll yeah. Okay, that's it. Cool. We'll see you guys in the next one. Best turn.